Hello, everyone, and welcome to another riveting edition of Under the Floorboards, where we laugh at the creatures that go bump in the night. I am your host, John, joined as always by my beautiful co-host, Eric. Eric, how are you this week? Fabulous. Fucking fabulous. I know, keeping it clean, even in season two. That's right. Speaking of clean, we have uh, our own little ticks to talk about this week with our guest, writer, director, Mr. Peter Cannon. How are you today? I am okay. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. Just okay? I'm great. I'm yes. fabulous. There it, fabulous. Okay. There can, it is. I'm fantastic. <laughs> you can lie to me. It's totally fine. <laughs> People do that all the time when they say they like our show. So Right. <laughs> well, but... this is the no holds barred honesty festival for 90 minutes. I will never tell a lie the entire time I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter, you are the writer and director of the upcoming feature film Exposure. Uh, That's right. So today your uh, pick was Black Swan, which weirdly enough is actually like the this is the first watch I've ever had for it. Really? Um, You didn't didn't see when it came out? Yeah, you'd think that like a movie where Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis les out, I would have watched. But I right. I, 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 I have to jump in, though, and say that, like, in the context of watching that scene, watching it as an adult is just so filled with character abuse. And it's yeah. it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. like a it's it's still a feel bad movie for me. You know, it's gut wrenching uh, in context. It was so yeah. much less sexy than I thought it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will go ahead and say that now, because like, I definitely like. Well, again, I had never seen this movie, so the only stipulation that I had around it, which, again, my high school friends were telling me, like, hey, they les out. I'm like, cool, that's not a good enough reason for me to see a movie. And as it turns out, it was actually just an incredible piece of cinema that I just missed for the last 10 years. Right. Before this interview today, I actually was watching um, a Milo Kunis interview about the movie, and the guy says, uh, the interviewer said, are you a little disappointed that everyone got hung up on that one scene? And she says, you know, like, we, we kind of knew it was going to happen, but, like, if you know the context of the scene, it's a lot more, you know, it's it's a lot more serious, and there's, a, like, every other part of the movie is you know, just as worthy to be talked about. And yeah, no, I, I, I kind I kind of agree also in, we'll get into this, but like, it doesn't end in like a happy way, you know? Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> no. And that's what I think was so compelling about that being a selling point of the movie in the first place from a conversational standpoint is the context in which this happens is like I said, is so gut wrenching. It's actually kind of funny because it feels like baiting the audience to a degree, which is a classic horror trope. The illusion. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Safety, right. So I was, would say this is like uh, how, how peter how many times have you seen this is this uh up there for you or what so i saw this three times the first time i saw this when it came out in 2010 and um guys i think i saw this with my parents this is not a awesome. movie you watch with your parents <laughs> it was like 2010 or 2011 one of those um and the I walked away from the movie being like, that was great. I never want to watch that again. And then I I thought I knew what it was about. I thought it was about obsession. I thought it was about perfectionism. I thought it was a movie that had to, you know, like discussed boundaries of what you want to do with your life and, and, and what your limits are. And then about 10 years passed and I watched it again because I remember really liking it. And I also remember I was at the beginning of, piecing together what I wanted exposure to be. And I remember how they shot this movie and how the tone of the movie was go, okay. Yeah. I mean, like I, I I'll, I'll watch this again. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have it a bit more developed. eye watching it and you watch it as an adult. And to me, this movie is not so much about obsession as it is about abuse. The, this poor woman, Nina is being abused and controlled 
by uh, not the least of which the theater director, but pretty much every character in this movie wants something out of her. And she's being tossed and turned by all these people in the most horrific ways. And we'll, we'll really get into it. But uh, it's it's one of those movies that as you get older, the meaning kind of changes for you. Um, and that's what I'm really impressed. Like I, movies that do that really impress me. Um, I, there's two examples I love. Uh, I, I love giving. The first one is School of Rock with Jack Black. Um, <laughs> when you watch the movie for the first time as a kid, you're like, "Oh yeah, all these stuffy grown-ups, man! Like just let Jack Black rock out and like let the kids do some rock and roll." And then you get older and you're like, yeah, don't endanger the children. What is wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> uh, and then the second one, Scott Pilgrim, when uh, five years later, you realize, oh, wait, Scott's the bad guy. You know, like, yeah. this, this is a movie about a guy that like, it opens with him dating a high schooler, you know, like, it, like, the movie is about him trying not to be a piece of shit anymore. He literally fights the dark, or he talks to the dark version of himself at the very end of the movie, you know? It's it's, right. it's not subtle. Spoilers for both of these films from over 10 years ago. But yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with movies that have different reads as you get older, and Black Swan was one of those movies for me. I think, uh, like, as with looking at it with a more adult brain, you realize, like, what this main character needed and what she just never got from anybody. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, since I got y'all's first impressions, so th for my first time watching this, it was very, I mean, obviously this is such a cerebral film, but I couldn't yeah. help but like keep thinking to myself, like where that boundary of reality was. And that was what was really cool to me because for actually for like a good portion of the movie, I just didn't think her mother or Mila Kunis were real. Right. Like, I just thought that they were like, these ideas of herself and what she was trying to do and like you were talking about with like that original uh idea you had about finding that perfection and something that i kind of saw in exposure as well which guys when it comes out it's so y'all just good. get the fuck ready it's, he's being yeah. so fucking <laughs> modest and humble about yeah, the way this movie turned out and shit. And we're just not gonna allow that here yeah. but there is a point where i felt it was about characters that were trying to kill the weaker parts of themselves and that's kind of like to please society around them and i think that's kind of where the abuse and that idea kind of overlap a little bit um so conceptually i thought this movie was fucking amazing 100 percent. i i haven't um i haven't heard that perspective on it but uh that's that's something to think about thanks thanks for bringing that up yeah let's uh well let's get into black swan yeah, real quick, I'm going to give the itinerary for the people who have not seen this since uh, Eric does not have his phone today. So we will be. Uh... I do. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you mentioned earlier, this is directed by uh, Aaron Aronofsky. Uh, Darren Aronofsky. Darren and Darren. Aronofsky. There he goes. First one out of the gate. <laughs> we have a running joke about both of us being able to pronounce things on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay i'm worse the only reason i can I know it so beautifully is because uh i i just i love this dude's movies so much Hell yeah. <laughs> uh so we have natalie portman as nina sayers and the swan queen uh, we have mila kunas as lily uh vincent castle as tomah leroy uh barbara hershey as erica sayers and winona Ryder as beth mcintyre and that's like the top casting sure. for this. Yeah, let's get on into it. So we start off kind of with that idea that we 
are getting that in i guess like you were talking about there's almost like the bait and switch for the ideas that's kind of happening for Mm -hmm. this movie because she's like sitting in front of her three-part mirror and she's like working on her feet and her shoes and we get the first little uh glimpse of her back Mm -hmm. which has some scratches on it and of course as we like to say on the show fucking mark that mark that (laughs) mark that well, there's a lot to mark. There's a lot to mark in these first 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about as we make it through this movie is, um, and I, I said this before we started recording, but uh, Darren Aronofsky, especially in his early stuff, um, he's not known for being a subtle director. I love him very much. Uh, I love all of his work so much, but uh, he really leans into the costume and the production design. And pretty early on, he's already establishing Nina's mother as a malign influence. The yeah. first half of the movie, we see uh, uh, Nina in 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 whites, maybe very, very light grays, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of pinks mixed in. She's, uh, you know, like she's infantilized. Uh, mm-hmm. And as we learned uh, later in the movie, a lot of that might be her mother's doing in the first place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty immediately, and this is after sort of that first, um, that first one scene from Swan Lake. Um, and um yeah no uh by the way real quick the movie doesn't really it doesn't really tell you that much about what swan lake's about they they mm-hmm. briefly say it you don't need to know they you need, <laughs> the what you need to know is there's a white swan there's a black swan you don't need to know that there, there's a sorcerer that that um turned uh the person Rothbard. into a swan and that yeah right and then the sorcerer brings his own daughter who's the black swan the prince mistakes you don't need to know any of that <laughs> there's a white swan there's a black swan um, they represent exactly what you think they represent yeah exactly exactly there's nothing you know like it's it's again there's nothing subtle about this movie uh but are you, are you um, telling me the black swans the evil swan <laughs> what <laughs> what yeah no but uh after that, that those first 30 seconds you are right that like we 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 start in, in with the intro to nina and her mom and already um you know we we see that in the back and that's one thing that is kind of subtle there are little mm-hmm. um little special effects sound effects bits and they become less subtle as the movie goes on but mm-hmm. they there's some really cool soundscape design in this movie and um we already characterize her mom as someone that we need to be wary of so mark that mm-hmm. yeah mark the fuck out of that and it, like it that's the old, that's the first instance like before we actually meet her mother cuz we have that like little of her walking by the door and again, that's part of the reason that I thought that she wasn't fucking mm-hmm. real Something for most of this movie. Yeah. And I, and also, I definitely thought this movie was going to go Fight Club really quick on mm. us. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it was, um, then we meet the mom for the first time, and she was really cool. We hadn't seen the, like, weird shit until mm-hmm. the cake a little bit later. And we'll get into that when we get there. Right. The cake. Yeah. Oh, the cake. I'm excited for the cake. Yeah, the cake's a fucking lie. Yeah. <laughs> but as it turns out, you know, we have this very talented, very devout ba- ballerina. And kind of the thing is that's such a societal acceptance, especially in like American and Russian culture, is ballet is dedication 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 yeah that's a discipline that, yeah that's a yeah i can't walk on my toes i've also got uh, are, are humans meant to 
exactly, <laughs> exactly. The, the level of alteration to your body that it requires to be successful in ballet is kind of something that i don't think people take seriously enough when they're watching a movie like this you know it's like i don't like, know what the fuck a yeah. plie is but right. it sounds like it hurts <laughs> yeah there's uh well, while we're on the subject of this actually were you guys uh if you guys did uh any reading while you were kind of preparing for this there was um there was kind of a controversy around the time the movie came out regarding her dance double. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Mm-mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, the, uh, Natalie Portman's dance doubles, this woman named Sarah Lane, she's a, a, a seasoned ballerina, like, or, um, a, a master in her own craft. And, um, during Natalie Portman's Oscar campaign, the film, uh, was like, oh yeah, no, Natalie, uh, trained for over a year to do this. And, uh, you know, like she, uh, she would show up in the, the crack of dawn to do like, a couple hours of intense ballet training, go to whatever movie she was shooting that day, then come back and continue said ballet training. And uh, this part is real, actually. She started training because she had so much faith in the scripts. She started training for ballet before they raised the money for the film. She had that much faith it was going to get made. Uh, kudos to Natalie a hundred sure, times over. Yeah. So Sarah Lane um, was the dance double. And um, she uh, towards the end, you'll see there are some interviews being like, uh, hey, you guys are kind of misrepresenting how much Natalie did. Um, you know, a lot of like she she uses a dance double and there's no shame in using a dance double. But please don't make it seem like she became a ballerina in like a year because it takes mm-hmm. childhood and adulthood of, of rigorous training. And then everyone on the other side, like Natalie and Darren Aronofsky and all these people go like, OK, well, that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're showing the dedication for the role of a ballerina. And mm-hmm. there's this whole back and forth going on between like fans of the film, people worked on the film, and then the ballet world. And if you go on to YouTube, you'll still see like people kind of being snippy at each other, you know? (laughs) Which is weird Uh, because both of those things can absolutely be true at the same time. You know, like Natalie Portman can work her ass off and also not be representing how much dedication it takes to become a world-class ballerina either. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fine. Now, this might be a hot take, but I'm pretty sure that's what one would call acting. Right. Right. (laughs) You guys need to hear some of the points that were being thrown back and forth like from the film's camp it was like well natalie's in 80 percent of all the dance shots and then the dance double goes well yeah if you include the close-ups but i don't include close-ups in dance like whoa (laughs) you call this art (laughs) (laughs) anyway i thought i thought i'd throw that in but yeah back to where we are in the movie she uh we start on her stretching with uh with her mom whooshing by and right when we hear natalie uh, or nina's voice for the first time you'll notice that throughout this movie she has a higher pitch to it another fun Mm -hmm. fact is that that's natalie's more natural uh untrained voice and Mm -hmm. in an interview i believe that she said that uh she trained all her life to lower her voice to avoid sort of the childlike elements to it or the child like people might project like oh she sounds more like a kid if she sounds like this and she apparently trained to have a lower uh voice Mm -hmm. but she didn't need to do that for this movie and actually had to put in some effort to return to that which i thought was kind of interesting because she starts as such an infantilized character it definitely is and in other movies that i've seen especially when she's carrying a non-english accent Mm-hmm. Or, or not American accent, yeah. I should say. She that higher pitch comes out a little bit more. I was saying me over mm-hmm. here imagining Evie from V. We're big V for Vendetta fans, and that's that's kind of the go-to, oh, okay. which is weird. You would think we would think Star Wars immediately when we thought Natalie Portman or something. No, it's V for Vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm a big V for Vendetta fan too. Um, I'm also a, a big Alan Moore fan. I know how Alan Moore feels about the V for Vendetta movie. Sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I got to tell you, it was like they pretty much took the beginning and swapped it with the end. And like, it's essentially the same movie. I think he was just overly upset about something he really didn't need to be. Like, I've read I've read the comic so many times and I've fucking watched the movie just as much. And it's just like, come on, man, there was literally nothing wrong with this fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, maybe maybe I'll come back on. We'll do a V for Vendetta deep dive. I was going to say. So what happens is. is Wouldn't that be a three hour? There you go. Yeah, right. (laughs) Nina has uh, revealed to her mother at this point that she had a dream about her dancing the white swan in Swan Lake. And mom's like, oh, that's great or whatever. So she goes to ballet you know They're rehearsal crazy. practice or whatever her the company that she works yeah exactly the company that she works for and as it turns out the uh company's lead is on her way out due to uh old age again right? played by winona writer winona writer beth 10 yeah. years before stranger things right <laughs> i believe she has a combined runtime of like something in the single digits in the minutes in this movie but mm-hmm. she, oh, yeah. uh but she still like makes such an impression when she's on screen for that short amount of time. Why known is great. Uh, but yeah, when when that conversation's happening and we're establishing what's happening to Beth, uh, Winona the writer's character, um, it is just ingrained with like that, that sort of internalized misogyny of of you know like oh she's quote unquote past her prime. You're and then used that, up. Like, they're used yeah. And then Nina comes in being like, well, so and so danced until their fifties, and then everyone's like, shut up, Nina. You know, it's like <laughs> it's, it's, I don't remember it, asking it, you a goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's uh, it, it, but it's just dripping with like thing like that sort of internalized misogyny that like that is clearly hammered in their brains, which is why like as 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 you go along in this movie, and Leroy as like this sort of man in power gets away with the most horrible horrible things and nobody questions them and they all praise him for it you know uh like we, we really kind of just established the culture right off the bat with that sort of idle chatting um and then they set up this character that uh i i i think they say her name once I think her name's veronica yeah. uh yeah um but yeah no uh we, we we set up that character pretty quickly uh that that character i think kind of drops off the face of the movie a little later on uh but, why would one. you say that <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is like like see uh, one thing um and briefly talking about exposure is one thing i struggled with was letting minor characters be minor characters you know mm-hmm. it, to, it's it's okay to not ha- spend pages and pages and pages on something like my characters are there to support the journey of the major characters mm-hmm. and that's okay there's nothing lazy about it there's nothing like honestly it takes more effort to cleanly do it so mm-hmm. uh my my views on that have kind of developed a little bit the something this movie actually did really well was not overdeveloping, especially like when this was really all based around nina's descent throughout the movie and let's and let's remember that it's a parallel with swan lake which in and of itself only has four or five major players that are all functioning as a support system for the main right Right. so and i think it's funny because like since we're talking about like this concept right now um it's almost like when you think about that parallel it asks the same question if you think about natalie or nina's duality throughout the movie Mm -hmm. is which side of her is the main character just like which swan is actually the main character in swan lake right i think that's really cool yeah i i um i will say um the movie thankfully doesn't tie itself so closely to to swan Mm -hmm. lake that it forces itself to make the points that swan lake does Mm -hmm. Uh, also swan lake is such an old play like i don't think there's even um the reason for the sorcerer turning the woman into the swan in the first place is like up for debate since it's such a 
an old folk tale. This is what Wikipedia is telling me. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I could I could also totally be wrong. I have seen Swan Lake once in like 2013. So mm -hmm. even then, I, I don't. I, this was also in like the Czech Republic. So not not that there's a lot of um not not that there's a lot of like any dialogue in Swan Lake at all. It's a ballet, so I should right. be. Uh, but 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 still, yeah, I don't uh, I think um, it's just a different medium and uh, the things to be understood about uh, these kinds of dialogueless performances that are a bit more not vague, but, uh, you know, like like think that's open to interpretation a little more than not. Mm -hmm. um, but hey, maybe you guys are ballet aficionados and know more than I do. It's entirely possible. My entire impression of Swan Lake or my entire concept of like understanding of Swan Lake comes from this movie called The Swan Princess that yeah. came out in the late 80s, early 90s. That was a cartoon. None of the music's the same. It's all like big band swing shit. <laughs> and like, it's, Whoa. <laughs> it's kind of I watch great. a big bang. Let's oh, big bang. Big band uh, Swan Lake. The, the big swan theory. <laughs> starring no Natalie Oh, Mr. Nice Guy. No siree. It's great. Apparently according to natalie portman i'm not gay enough to understand ballet nice she made that a point in the <laughs> <laughs> but we are uh, having lime readers at 11 30 i was saying we, so. we are drinking bud light at 11 30 so <laughs> but well, it, cheers to that yeah happy monday everybody happy fucking monday but yeah so we kind of move into the actual audition right like that's our next scene mm -hmm. yeah because the... the warm yeah because we got through the warm-ups and Tomat did like this really fucking gangster move where he goes, everyone that I tapped on the shoulder, continue on to your regularly scheduled training. So that was not me choosing you. That was me dismissing you. <laughs> Everybody I've seen I've seen that move in this other movie called Chorus Line that I watched because uh, my wife's a big like musical theater, Broadway, show tunes kind of person. Awesome. And uh, so by by proximity, I've seen just a, a, a lot of that kind of stuff. And it, uh, Chorus Line is this Michael Douglas movie. Uh, which is weird because he's not the one that like dances and sings in it. But um, they he he's like this director that's like the whole thing's an audition. And uh, every time he says so and so step forward, so and so step forward, everyone that stepped forward got the part. The rest of you go home. And then at the very end of the movie, he pulls that again and he's like. Like everyone that didn't move got the part. The rest of you go home. It's like uh, it's like Gordon Ramsay when he's eliminating people on Master Chef. Step forward, please. You are taking your apron off because you're going up to that balcony. And when you get up there, come back down because you're going home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On again, off again. I love that shit. It's so fucking funny. But yeah, the idea being that there is, uh, they're going to do Swan Lake like it's never been done before. Right. And it's like, okay, all right. I believe you, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> for, for He says, done to death. I know, but this is different. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. do a French accent for the rest of this perfect, podcast. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, but Building yeah, no, uh, this is this is where uh, and another touch of sort of like the misogyny, of the whole thing. And I actually read the script to confirm that this was what it meant. Uh, so at around eight minutes in, when we meet Thomas Leroy, um, he shows up. Of course, he's like standing like on the second story of the thing, like looking down at everybody like he's towers over the rest of them. Mm -hmm. His and, popped um, out. <laughs> and, and and he's looking at everybody else. And then with like a look the the choreographer whoever's like working with the ball ballerines right there quickly does the like the like oh he's here he is he's looking at us yeah. and everybody like strips down a layer takes like their hoodies off and like and and it's like it, th there was a weirdly kind of like perverse kind of command over it and i was like it was this supposed to read this way mm -hmm. and i looked at the script and yeah it was supposed to read this way like like there's there's kind of a perverse kind of um 
forced intimacy of this relationship this guy has with all these ballerinas and they wanted mm -hmm. to get the aronofsky wanted to or the screenwriters would four separate people uh wanted to communicate that um pretty off the bat yeah it's it's he establishes the stakes so dramatically he basically tells the audience what swan lake is or all we'll need to know about swan lake mm -hmm. uh yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's not a whole lot of exposition about it there's one part at a bar where uh Natalie tells like Sebastian Stan or somebody what yeah. what this one likes about. I was like, it's the Winter Soldier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like this throwaway character. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, Leroy towers over the rest of them, and that's how we know him uh, in in this really kind of uncomfortably intimate way, uh, in a way where we don't feel like we're in any kind of power at all. And that's this power imbalance that that the movie really kicks off with. You know, to kind of show the like timid and meek uh, nature that we kind of get from Nina's character really comes out in like, you kind of see it already with like the way she speaks and the way she carries herself and like her lack of confidence that you get through most of this movie so far. But when she falls during her audition, because she does the white swan dance first and Tom Tomas like, well, I knew I would have no problem with you as the white swan, but you must, ideal choice. You, mu you must be lustful. You must seduce. And like, <laughs> You sound like Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory when you Diddy. <laughs> you must seduce Diddy. Attack it, Diddy. Attack it. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, no more French accent yeah, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll probably slip a couple more in there, but uh, or my Dexter impression. I that guess. Great. <laughs> well, it's like you know how like my uh, my English impression always just comes out like Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fun. When Lily walks through the door late, and I'm like, how are you late? You are already here. And there's always that person, isn't there? There's always that person that can just get away with it. Yeah. They show up to work an hour and a half early, hungover, and it's just no big deal. So I definitely thought that this, like, at, you know, sight on scene, I thought this was going to be an uphill battle for uh, Nina to actually get the Black Swan role. Because this is so key, right? Yeah, this she is, fell. Well, and this is her... Lily's entire purpose in this movie throughout the entire thing is to be the functioning replacement, mm -hmm. right? She's she she was the understudy or the the alternate mm -hmm. the minute she steps through that door right there. Yeah, you know? and actually, IMDb credits her as the Black Swan, which I nice. kind of see as a very interesting idea. Like, I don't know because to to me, that's not how I view her as a character in this movie. I don't view her that way either. Um, I will say 90% of Lily's presence and Lily's identity as a threat and uh, Lily's identity as a rival is Nina projecting that on 100%. her. Exactly. She just shows up for most of it. There's like one or two moments where it's like, Lily, that's immensely fucked up, but we'll get into that. <laughs> but, um, but Lily doesn't really understand boundaries and is a little too casual and can't really read a room. And that's it for most of it, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, like, and, and this is how honestly a lot of rivalries kind of pan out. It's very one-sided with a lot of things like projected on. Uh, and then also Leroy, who's the one that created this dynamic in the first place. Part uh, of the manipulation and we, it's part of the manipulation where he pits these two women against each other, uh, more so Nina against Lily than anything else as kind of a, fucked up form of control and we learn that pretty 
pretty soon into the movie that he like goes through women like this, you know, mm-hmm. with like Beth. And then the like and Lily, like l- later in the movie, Lily throws out like, has he called you a little princess yet? You know, mm-hmm. like it's uh, and even the mom knows that Leroy does this. But like mm-hmm. he's created this culture where it's OK and he gets away with it. Uh, and so it's when when we're wondering about, oh, why we thought it'd be more of an uphill battle for Nina to get this role. Maybe it wasn't because Leroy is just doing his Leroy thing of like, oh, this person looks especially vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. let's 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 put her in a position, you know, like it's it's it, it's really a different watch as an adult. I'll tell he, you that. He cast her purely for her her uh, her pure appearance, her innocent look that she had. You know what I mean? He's he's thinking mm-hmm. like a predator anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I- Actually, on this dude for just a second, fucking crazy fan theory that just kind of went through my head. <laughs> yep. So we we do come to find that, you know, the the mother was a ballerina as well, and she lost her career because of getting pregnant with uh, Nina. So don't wh- do this. <laughs> wh- no, uh, we're, we're fucking doing this. What is the probability of her being in that company? And part of the reason Nina was able to get into that company was because she was a legacy from her mother and who could hmm. have been, and who could have impregnated Erica Sayers. I hate it. That does sound like a fan theory. It does sound <laughs> I'd like see a fan theory. Th- I, I, I'd, sound, I'd see that on like reddit.com slash r slash fan theories yeah. you know <laughs> I'll be and maybe that would get like a mix that that would get like a mix of upvotes and downvotes and one person would go that makes so much sense <laughs> i'm here for the conspirators <laughs> like i would be lying to of... you if the thought didn't cross my mind at one point especially <laughs> when she was talking about Leroy's like entire life. well he has a reputation has he touched you yet you know all that shit. So she was talking like Lily for a second, you know, yeah. I mean, like, um, and then like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't know about the validity of any conspiracy theories, but uh, <laughs> hey, if there's two data points of you guys coming to that conclusion, I don't know. that's part of the charm, isn't it? <laughs> the lack of validity is what makes it good. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the screenwriters, like years from now, are like either listening to this or reading that Reddit comment and going, "What the hell are they talking uh, about?" Fuck, I knew we should have written it in. Oh, they're from (laughs) (laughs) there. Anyways, back into how gross this dude is. Uh, He really does like have, like you're saying, like this power of like towering over people and asserting this dominance. And we'll get into when we get into the next scene. I do want to break that down a little bit just of how fucking weird that is. We get to finding out who gets the role. Right. Or she actually she calls her mom first, which is what she does for literally everything, mm-hmm. because that is just her comfort. Person. Because her mother's living vicariously through her in all probability, and she has to rely on her as a safety net. She reminded me. Oh, of not her. in all probability. She says that. Yeah, <laughs> She says that in the movie a couple times. Yeah. And then also uh, it's it really feels like something that like and once we get to that, that, that cake interchange, we mm-hmm. kind of piece together. Oh, this is this relationship between Nina and her mom is by her mom's design, you know? Um, And like, again, like she may not be as, you know, aggressively creepy as Leroy, but um, she also, she also (laughs) doesn't, she also wants something out of Nina and not thinking about what Nina wants and what Nina needs, you know? And Mm -hmm. even on this, there's, there's some surface level things like, Oh, this role, it's tearing you apart. But like, then the next scene she'll be like i'm so proud of you keep going you know like it's <laughs> it's it's such such stage mom like don't take responsibility 
Like, don't think about how much trauma you're inflicting on your kid. Um, before, well, one one quick note while we um, before we get to the point where uh, she's in the kind of the hallway area. Mm-hmm. Um, in in this, uh, I'm I'm scrubbing through the movie on Hulu right now, and you'll notice that um, there's a lot of binary looking or polarizing looking kind of set pieces mm-hmm. whenever uh throughout this whole movie but also especially whenever Leroy is involved mm-hmm. very uh like whites and blacks and not a whole lot in between mm-hmm. uh you're going to see that later at his apartment you're going to see that later at a scene like in a courtyard and kudos to the location scout that found like a black and white courtyard looking thing <laughs> um yeah unsung heroes those guys um but totally uh we we start to see kind of um as Nina goes on and starts to sort of make her way through to achieving what she believes is the Black Swan, obviously her uh, her costume starts to darken a little bit. And then in those moments where she feels like guilty about something or she's come up against the, like, like the hard wall of like staying up to her mom, she falters a little bit, like those things, then her clothing arc her arc uh, <laughs> regresses a little bit and and goes back into lighter colors and uh again this this ain't a subtle movie but at, at the same time it, it it works very very well mm-hmm. um and everyone most like there there are some grays and whites but like most of the people around her in this scene this first scene are wearing black she has no friends here mm-hmm. she doesn't have a single friend in this movie because she's the Ooh. weird girl that's 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 one point she's a weird 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 girl but they're also indoctrinated so much by Leroy mm-hmm. that when she gets picked to be the swan queen everybody in their head goes like she, she doesn't deserve it i deserve it she's you know she's a fucking whore yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like like uh, and i think is is it is it quote unquote canon in this movie that Nina was the one that wrote whore on the Absolutely. on the mirror? Yeah. The it's the exact because same, she yeah. takes it's the, the same shade of lipstick from Bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we're yeah. we're beyond conspiracy. That's literally what yeah. we that's, take away. Yeah. That's real. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that's definitely what I took mm-hmm. from that scene. And what what I thought was really fucking crazy was I I I loved that there's like this weird power dynamic of her discovering herself as the Black Swan, and it's like. Just that scene where he, he she kisses Leroy and he fucking bit me. Uh-huh. That fucking hurt. Yeah, and he liked it. That was that was it. That liked was it. it. He's yeah. French. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. There's uh, that, that 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 one scene. It's like in in his kind of like mind, he's going, "That's my in." You know, like yeah. like this is how uh because you know it's I in my in my mind Leroy isn't as masterfully intelligent as he makes himself out mm-hmm. to be you know he's just had so, a successful track record with this mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and when he gets bit i in my mind uh when nina bites him because he like he comes on to her in the grossest possible way he's like okay we're gonna say i'm gonna say i'm gonna spin this as a positive so like oh oh you pleased me in this sense you know mm-hmm. like like good job you passed the test there wasn't any fucking test. Yeah. you passed the test you know <laughs> uh that's that's kind of how i see Mm-hmm. Leroy, I think maybe I've been uh I think I, I think maybe in you know the 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 20 like second half of the 2020s and now we've been kind of we we've begun to sort of question like oh he's a genius you know because mm-hmm. like because of everything um but yeah no uh that okay uh, one thing I do want to bring up um and this is about sorry I I got the movie up in in here at about 11 20 
223, we're on, um, so Nina has this like nook and cranny that she finds in the hallway quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And there are sometimes, I'm not sure if it's, if, if it's this one particularly, because she does go back to that nook and cranny, but we can see a bit of the blood from her skin picking rub off on the wall behind her. You guys, yeah. you guys see that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you're like, because any, because when you're in the art department in, 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 a, in a, on a film set, you're, there's oftentimes a lot of pressure to uh, densely decorate something so that like your eye kind of goes over the whole thing. Because if you have a blank area and then a little area that of note that looks designed or what your eyes can be drawn to it because of all the negative space. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of what happened here. We were really meant to see for a, a, a second that Nina's bleeding onto that wall. Um, and again, that's like one of the few subtler moments of this movie. The rest is very in your face, but I do, I do like this, um, quite a bit. One thing that, um, as, as we kind of get going into, uh, into this one thing that I took from this movie that I kind of incorporated into, in, into our movie exposure, uh, was that I was really, really into the handheld look, um, for oh, the majority yeah. of, of the film. Uh, the reason for this being is that this is a film about ballet, which is known to be very rigid, very, very controlled, very, you know, like, uh, uh, but I feel like what the handheld brings to it uh, is number one, sort of a sense of like, you're there, it's, it's more personal, it's more intimate, which later into the 2010s, you can see pretty much like so many indie movies, indie dramas take advantage of that. So, so much that it's a trope, like the handheld yeah. indie movie, you know, because <laughs> uh, I think shot I think on iPhone, was originally baby. supposed to be like, Exactly. Like, like, uh, originally it was supposed to be something along the lines of like handheld. It feels like you're really there storming Normandy and on D-Day or, you know, like, uh, <laughs> something like that. But now it's just like, mom, I feel sad. And the handheld's just doing this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think it's kind of a trope in indie movies, but regardless, like I, I thought that that was really what I needed to be doing in those more dramatic moments. Uh, and it, with conversation, we can get more into this on the, on the mm -hmm. super premium Patreon. You have to pay money to see this portion of the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For less than yeah. a gallon of gas a month, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the state you live in. Uh, I, moved, I moved from Los Angeles to Georgia and the I am like, I'm paying like a third of what I paid in gas right now. Holy um, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bananas. But I, a lot of the conversations I have with my DP was like, okay, when the, the tense parts or the scary parts come, I want to then put it on the tripod or put it on sticks. Mm -hmm. And so that it feels like we're all going and then we're all kind of freezing up a little bit. Stillness. And then when the, 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 the scene kind of diffuses, we all can take it like a, like the, the camera can move again and we can kind of breathe that sigh of relief. Now we don't get that really in this movie, even the movies, like even the jump scare or the, the build up to jump scares and whatnot, mm -hmm. that's still handheld. And that's, I still think it's a really powerful choice in this movie. Uh, and one other thing I'll say about the format of this movie before we move on is that um, the film grain does this movie a lot of favors. Mm -hmm. Um when we're when a character is in the distance and we're no, we don't know if it's Nina or if it's Lily or if it's like Nina's scary double that shows up, uh, you know, like the film grain kind of hides who it is just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we're our eyes are kind of glued to the screen waiting for this person to step a little bit closer to the camera so we can identify them. Mm -hmm. I think I'm not sure if that was intentional, but I really think that the. Um, like in addition with the handheld in the film, making it kind of feel grounded and gritty before it kind of goes into psychological nightmare, it does do the film a surface level few favors. And I, mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Well, I, and all, all, Go ahead. I would say on the grain, uh, I definitely agree. Cause like, especially like the later shots when she's like in the studio by herself and the lights are out, 
one of my favorite shots is when she's walking towards the camera and she's in hyper focus, but the grain behind her that has the light for the stage lighting and the grit that comes off of that was fucking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I, I was going to bring this up later, um, but since you're talking about uh, your cinematographer right now, I did want to say that for exposure, I thought Michelle Kwong did an incredible fucking job. Like I'm, a, oh. I, I'm really big on cinematography and it was, it was brilliant. Like it I, I have known Michelle for over over a decade and she's one of my closest friends and I uh, she kicked ass on this movie. She brought in everybody that she trusted. She pulled out all the stops. Uh, she did. Um, <laughs> when I started ripping shots from the, from from this movie, Black Swan, I could feel her going like, do we need another shot where like someone walks into a room and the camera swings all the way around them to see what they're looking at? Do we need that shot again, Peter? And I'm like, yeah, we do. But, uh, no, but, uh, yeah, no, she, she's a master and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I got her to work on this movie because she's going to be way too big, way too quickly. But anyways, get, getting back into the movie. Um, so we were at whore, whore. Yeah. We, <laughs> we were, we were dancing with the whores. Yeah. Um, so, Oh, the this, mirror shot. Yeah. 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 Okay, got it. Oh, when 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 uh, Veronica, yeah, um, <laughs> is yeah, this we, a we, joke? <laughs> yeah, 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 so absolutely. Good. So good. It's funny because like before, <laughs> it's weird. We always see Lily as the rival, and that's how it was marketed. But for the first 20, 30, 40 minutes of the movie, we have this other character, Veronica, that 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 takes up a lot of screen time of like cutting to judgy Veronica <laughs> over <laughs> uh, over and over again. Uh, and I wonder, like. I wonder if at if at the end there was some kind of way of um, maybe they put Veronica in there so that we would then project the same kind of bitterness onto Lily, only to learn later in the movie that Lily doesn't feel like that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> like like they're just building an expectation just because Veronica is super uh, bitter and also indoctrinated by Leroy. Mm -hmm. Well, Lily must be too. And then we learn later, oh, we just assume that because everybody li is living in crazy town in, in Black was, Swan. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, there's no part of me that doesn't believe that Leroy was using Veronica and um, Nina against each other in that moment for purely for that reason to create more discourse anyway. So all my it's possible princesses. Veronica, yeah. quote unquote, displeased him in some way. And that was yeah. a convenient way of punishing her. You know, sure. like it's mm -hmm. it's he's already established that he doesn't mind doing this. And so I just that's fine. So right when Nina calls her mom to say mm -hmm. that she got it, this was um, interestingly enough. That's the that was the clip that they used at the Oscars when they were like, and then this nomination goes to Natalie Portman for blah 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 for Black Swan, and uh, they used this scene, which it's interesting that they used something like obviously it's incredible, it's amazing, and 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 mm -hmm. uh, I, but it's it's interesting that they didn't use something a little bit later in the film, maybe because they didn't want to give it away too much, uh, maybe uh, but. Again, this movie's not subtle. We all know it's about kind of a uh, transformation. And in the trailer, she literally says, "The little girl is gone." Like that's, <laughs> you know, like, like they're not they're not hiding a twist or anything. They they do use that clip for the Oscars, uh, and it's this like one of those really vulnerable moments. One of the, one of the one times like Nina's like unironically like unadulterated happiness, joy, mm -hmm. and like she got what we she wanted. And there's not a single time that she's like happy to be this one queen after in this movie you know like not a single freaking time i think that was her only actually there's two moments that i think that she actually felt like true happiness and i think it was that moment right there and the very end and i mean like the very, oh yeah very end. yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, I not to. It, in fact, I'm not even gonna mention it because it's irrelevant. But it's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Um. So cool. yeah, w- yeah. Now we have like you know, she comes back home finally at right. Yeah. And this is like one of my favorite scenes. The cake is the cake. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. She's like, I got our favorite. It's uh, what was it? Strawberry filling with vanilla icing. Mm-hmm. And. She goes to cut it. She's like, oh, well, just a small piece for me. Mom, that's too big. Mom, that's too big. And like, I'm sitting there giggling for a minute. Right. And then it just got fucking dark. Because she was Oh, like, yeah. Well, because in my head, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, she's a skinny ballerina. Like, you're, you just got the role of a lifetime. And the type of dedication that she has is definitely like, mm-hmm. we don't eat cake until we're done with our lives right Right. then there's also the the you know the the way uh, we kind of look at it nowadays where it's like okay yeah like both like mila kunis and natalie portman lost so much weight to do these roles uh it it could be for you know you know the the purposes of being an acrobatic ballerina but also it's it it also like her loss of weight is commented on in the movie like it it Mm -hmm. goes to an unhealthy extent and and she has an eating disorder or Mm -hmm. symptoms of one throughout the film you know so like we we also have to look at it through that lens but yeah no uh continue with 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 what she says next oh oh yeah and she she just takes the cake and she's like well if you're not gonna eat it then it must be garbage and she goes like throw it away she's like no mommy no and i'm just like what the fuck is happening like i had like these flashbacks to carrie Cause like this felt like two degrees before your Carrie's mom. I was going to say, and I know we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about our trauma on this particular episode. <laughs> it's not unlike the way my family dynamic is at times. It was a very brief look into what commonly happened just because of how quickly it went that way. Mm-hmm. Because it, because they, they bounced back from it so quickly. It suggests that the, that happens quite a lot and um and one thing to to the um the actress that plays nina's mother erica um to 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 her credit the word garbage actually isn't in the script uh and but garbage is such an aggressive word Mm -hmm. to use you know like that's Mm -hmm. such a uh i'm reading this really interesting uh so I'm, i'm writing another movie right now and i'm reading this really interesting book called um uh and i it's called um adult children of emotionally immature parents and it's about kind of how uh, if if someone is stunted uh, in in their sort of emotional growth as they grow up, um, the way they treat their children forces their children to grow up quicker to then handle their emotionally immature mm. parents. And uh, you know, it's it, I'm just I'm finding a lot of like a lot of uh, you know character arcs, tropes, things like that. Uh, they kind of make themselves known, and they kind of fall in line with a lot of what I'm reading in this book. And I think it's really interesting how, like, Nina's mom is this emotionally immature. Okay, well, if I don't get what I want in this instance, I'm throwing a tantrum, you know. And then the tantrum has been normalized by Nina because she has to. She's the daughter, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I do, and I think perhaps it's an echo too of how her entire her how, um, mom's entire perception of self is based on Nina's perception of mom. Um, and I think that wow, maybe, I, I like that a lot, actually. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, there's, there, yeah. and again, just because I have experienced this, there's a degree of like um, passionate love for somebody that you feel the need to care for that and not to, you know, talk too much about it here, but um, that it takes away from your ability to rationalize emotions correctly or healthily, I should say. 
Well, and I think that's why we get the instance of like one of the first things that really stood out to me in this whole movie was when you see uh, Nina's room for the first time, you get like a good view of it. So it's like the mother is intentionally emotionally stunting Nina Mm -hmm. because she always has to be the mother. You're having a bad night. Let me put your little music box with a sweet little pink ballerina in it next to your, you know, right. Yeah. 25. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They never do say, I don't think they ever say how old Nina is, but we're all meant as an audience to know it way too old. Um, She's old enough to go to a bar. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, One thing I do want to say is I, I appreciate like, Yes, we're not talking about, um, you know, trauma as much, but I do no. appreciate you opening up as much as you did about uh, how you related to this. And um, now I, I I see that very much. And I, you know, thank you for bringing that. Um, yeah, uh, I also I want to sort of note the use of pink because that's the only really prominent color. Uh, when I think whenever I see something that's pink. I think it's something that's, you know, it's when Nina's kind of under her mom's control. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if her mom bought all the stuffed animals for her and kind of just like forced them on her, (laughs) you know? Um, Even that down to the goddamn grapefruit she yeah. eats for uh, breakfast so in the first pink. scene. Ooh, so pretty. <laughs> and uh, this is this is a dumb little piece of I trivia. About but, the um, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the grapefruit uh, is. Uh, I don't, this was like an intentional callback. I think it's, it's the meal that the mother in a requiem for a dream eats to start drastically losing weight. Mm. Um, so like, like it's, yeah, yeah. So they, I, I'm 90% sure that was on purpose. Uh, but then again, people might just make up IMDb trivia. Who knows? <laughs> that just sounds sure. like a crazy yeah. fan theory to me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our fan theories, mix of upvotes and downvotes. That's it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah. One thing, so, sorry, before no, you move on from, right uh, from from Erica freaking out at Nina, um, right before she get we get to that scene, we see the painting move just a little bit, mm-hmm. and I would be uh, I, I would be sad if we got through this whole interview um, or this whole breakdown without talking about Satoshi Kon and Perfect Blue. Do you guys know about that movie? Mm-mm. I do not. So Perfect Blue is an anime movie from the '90s that. Uh, Satoshi Kon is an uh, is a filmmaker. I believe uh, Satoshi Kon passed away, uh, but this person's movies um, influenced quite a lot of modern movies, especially heightened reality movies. Um, Kon's movie Paprika heavily in- influenced uh, The Matrix and Inception. Uh, this uh, Perfect Blue is a movie about a woman who is a pop star that gets the uh, gets in her head that someone is stalking her, and the and her paranoia and the lines of reality start to blur. And there are very very similar shots in this movie uh, in in Perfect Blue and this movie. Uh, and one of the classic shots that uh, is is a is a really striking parallel is the pictures around this. A uh, woman that is in a under a high amount of stress, they all start speaking to her. Mm-hmm. In um, and uh, there's also uh, there's a couple bathtub shots in this movie where like mm-hmm. the double appears above her or or um, Perfect Blue also has those shots in there. I think Darren Aronofsky has a shot with a uh, a woman. I think Jennifer Connelly's character in Requiem for a Dream screaming in the bathtub in a montage in Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. That shot also happens in Perfect Blue. Now Darren Aronofsky has said, "Oh no, like like we I didn't pull from that movie to make this." And I in my head I'm going like, "It's that's okay. what Vanilla like, Ice like, said." That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, like 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 it's it's no one's gonna. No one's gonna like make get a like Clock like lawyer up for this, you yeah. know? Like it's yes. it's yeah. it's 
it's it's it's something that's really cool that you've adapted for an audience something like 15 years after the fact you know like i i I I took so much from black swan like for for this dinky little indie movie that we made you know like it's uh it's and then also like i'm not going to be ashamed that like i saw black swan i also saw that francis ford coppola movie the conversation um uh and i'm like oh we gotta like like i want this kind of moment there i want that kind of moment there like i I, I think we need to be a lot more um, free to talk about our inspirations and not be ashamed of them. You know, I wholeheartedly yeah. well, agree. It's also, like you can't own a 440A. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's just in mm-hmm. music. The major scale is a major scale. Yeah, 100%. yeah. I completely agree. I also think that art is free. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like it's an expression of emotion, and that can't be quantified or you know. I'm not saying that we shouldn't get paid for what we create, yeah. but in terms of but like, like regardless taking... of the Disney corporation, yeah. you know, we... <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There should be a level of freedom to talk about what you want to talk about, because at the end of the day, we all are our product of our influences and we have to be able to acknowledge that in order to, you know, appreciate who we are, I think. So very good point. <laughs> okay. One thing I wanted to point out was they, that Leroy is kind of like this big director, but, buzzword kind of guy that walks in and and says a bunch of like buzzword things that aren't exactly the most actionable things in the world you know (laughs) and then like and then he leaves and then we got the choreographer doing a lot of the actual nitty-gritty work you know yeah (laughs) which is uh i've 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 had that experience like i gotta laugh at myself a little bit sometimes i i devolved into a big buzzword (laughs) kind of director uh uh kind of things and i'm like oh shit that's you can't do much with that you know that's uh that that, i I had to laugh at myself a little bit when seeing the pony Feed the pony, yeah. Nina. <laughs> what the it, are you talking it. about? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I could tell you so many stories. Like it doesn't even. It's not just movie directors. It's like, like, like high school band directors. You, you guys have seen Whiplash, presumably. You know. Yes. Yeah. Actually, um, he was telling me about that earlier because I have not seen it yet. So that's mm-hmm. on, that's next on the watch list. This movie, uh, Black Swan, is often compared to Whiplash. Um, I don't think it's quite as similar as people seem to, but I, I, I love it. But. Black Swan seems to be more of a psychological horror, whereas Whiplash seems to be a thriller to me. And I understand those two things have a lot in common. And I also understand that the themes of abuse are very much present in both these movies. I was going to say, I think Whiplash's comparison to to Black Swan exists on the surface level of the themes that exist in Black Swan. I think that like Whiplash is more is like a diluted version of Black Swan. And Black Swan also has like the like the themes of sexual abuse, and that's that's not there in Whiplash. Doesn't like there's a lot more all. about like right. there's there, there's a lot more like self actualization and uh you know like like there's there's a lot more to do with like self actualization in 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 Whiplash uh because the character of Fletcher um like like his he also has his own pers like. His, his own personal ways of getting what he wants, but they, they're, they're different goals and it goes about them differently. And they're, they're very different characters, but yes, you are right on the surface level. These two movies are often compared. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, okay. When Nina sees Lily rehearsing for the first time, this is about 20, 28 minutes in. Um, Nina shows up and sees Lily, like she's giggling, like, like, and, and, and being clumsy and whatnot. And then Leroy just comes up over his shoulder and whispers there, like, look at her go. Look, look at what she's doing. Oh, my fucking God, guy. You know? <laughs> right. like, are you following me around? You know, you like, see uh, the six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, 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 
if 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 he didn't create this insane culture where everything he said was like gospel, she mm -hmm. would be like, "Whoa, what are you doing behind me?" You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I can't yeah. remember if this exchange happens immediately following or like deeper into the movie, but essentially the the theme being that uh, Nina can dance the white swan brilliantly and uh lily can dance the black swan brilliantly and we're trying to merge these two into nina right mm -hmm. um and so there's there's an exchange that happens i i think that this is like after the kiss after the yeah because yeah and yeah. so wh where we are is like nina and lily actually meet each other right and they have this conversation and and lily's talking about yeah he's he's weird he's a creep you know and nina's like i think he's brilliant you know and it's and you yeah can see, yeah absolutely and you can see the trauma manifest or the abuse manifesting itself in her That's attitude lily's face was fucking right brilliant. she was like <laughs> okay then, right <laughs> exactly and, and and lily is like not a perfect character or even uh or like a very good person in the movie but it's such a breath of fresh air where mm -hmm. she was like you realize he's a creep right like yeah. like 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 <laughs> we have we get a whiff of an objective opinion mm -hmm. in this movie what that that is so rare in this movie because even her mom when she brings up those concerns she still has this agenda of i want my daughter to succeed and i want her to be perfect and all right. that mm -hmm. you know like like lily doesn't have this agenda her agenda is oh but i want her like like i want to get along with her i want her to be free and she handles that in the worst way which we'll mm -hmm. talk about <laughs> but um but yeah, no, like there is a whiff of like of of an objective opinion, which is a nice breath of fresh air for a little us humanity. in the movie. We feel a little validated watching this, you know, right. <laughs> which is funny, too, because on my first watch, I did not have the impression. I think I was a lot like John was with this, where I did not have the impression that Lily had anybody's best interest at heart, you know, or was willing to be an objective truth among all this like indoctrinated chaos. Which is weird because like usually the person who's handed out Bali is like, the guy who's really trying to have everybody have a good time right and so and i kind of i kind of looked at everything she was saying like oh it's more abuse it's more you know it's more uh manipulation tactics being thrown her way and that sort of thing and it's just not like you said when you get to the end of this movie you realize that lily was not a vehicle for anything aside from the madness that nina is slipping into mm -hmm. yeah no it's so much is just projected upon her and um Especially because there there are there are big scenes where Lily is supposedly revealed to be this giant evil mastermind, and then Nina just projected all that. Like like no, not at all. Lily's just like yeah, she doesn't understand boundaries, and she's like no, not the she can't read a room and is handling Nina the wrong way. But she's she's not she's, she's not the final boss, not remotely. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and the Peter final boss was inside of us all. Along. <laughs> the final That's boss was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yes, he said the thing. Um, Peter, I can talk about this movie for five hours, and I think we all could. I'm going to boogie through this plot a little bit just to keep it moving yeah, yeah, forward yeah, here. Yeah. And if y'all want to go, the, I saw the clock as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if we want to go back and remark I on anything in particular, all that's all good. Mind melding that. It's all good. Yep, we were. That was cool. The hive mind took over. Um. So effectively, while while Nina storms off after her um, disagreement with um, shit, what's her name? I had it. Not Lily? Beth. Lily. There we go. Her disagreement with Lily. She goes back home. Um, Mom is concerned that her scratching has come back. Um, the wound on her back keeps opening up. She has these nails that are longer. Mom tries to clip the nails. Um, and this is if this is clearly a stress response or some kind of, you know, something she's molting. It, she's molting. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Nina 
uh, there's a knock at the door and Lily has come over to essentially apologize for how that went down, you know, and what appears to be a good natured approach of, you know, goodwill and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and effectively uh, creates this rift between Nina and mom where Nina has to choose between like, I have, I'm on stage tomorrow. We're doing dress rehearsals tomorrow. And then it's like, nah, but we, we're going to go out. We're going to have some drinks. We might, you know, fuck some dudes. We might get some, you know, ecstasy in us. So who knows? We'll just have a grand old time. Right. And so there's that first instance of like the rebellion. Right. Well, yeah. it's also a really great way as a writer to get a character to do something they're really resistant to by giving them the other option of what they want to do even less. Yes. You know, <laughs> like if the one way of getting away from her mom means going out with this girl she hates, yeah. it's going to be it's going out with the girl she hates. Not unlike the American political system yeah. as it stands right now. <laughs> and, and again, zing. Just, yeah, but fucking Zynga. Uh, I hope that's not trademarked by. <laughs> <laughs> By no, Sheldon Cooper. Yeah, I, I put yeah. fucking in between it, so it's actually hyphenated twice. It's not the same word. Um, this is another example, though, of like just Lily's face when she meets her mom. It's just like, oh, I <laughs> I really fucking get it now, bitch. It's like she saw the oh the cake is garbage scene. You yeah. know, like <laughs> she had that moment. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, we we get to the bar, and you know we're like. This this scene is not like totally Beck Griffin, Padman, Madala, like, and it, Bucky Barnes walk into a bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, you know they do some drugs and they drink. And there's something I want to talk about here in just a second. I did think it was weird that she poured the ecstasy into her drink, just because I'm not saying this from personal experience, <laughs> but that stuff tastes horrible. <laughs> like, at that right. Point, I, well, well, this is one thing I kind of want to talk about in terms of movies, like and uh, and like there's mental illness, there's drug trips, and mm -hmm. movie mental illness and movie drug trips. There are some liberties to make the story work, sure. Um, and that's that's always going to be a thing. And like like when we were working on exposure, and we were kind of weighing, like, okay, we can do this, we can do this, which might be a little bit more realistic and accurate to the OCD experience, or we can do this and have people walk away with these themes about OCD that I really want them to walk away with, you know, totally. and, totally. and film, film being the medium that it is, you make some kind of sacrifices a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, and, and because you, you are right, that wouldn't really happen. But what, what Aronofsky wants us to take away from that scene is that, oh, um, Lily's taking it into her own hands in kind of a really bad way in mm -hmm. an abusive way to to get her to open uh get nina to open up and then nina sees that she's trying to do that and is on board with it for like a second which is enough for lily to to to, to push her through and 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 then have that happen and then obviously then we go down this you know the the we we it's it is it an excuse to also have some like black swan cgi shenanigans probably sure. you know <laughs> <laughs> like like did uh, did darren aronofsky go oh if we if we introduce literally any kind of drug that lets me like let the tattoo on mila kunis's back go wild like, mm -hmm. in, with the wings and then have all the the geese goosebumps like go crazy mm -hmm. like it's it's you know it's it's the geese bumps. Like, <laughs> the, the 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 filmmakers filmmakers want to be like, oh, okay, like yeah, that's not how like MDMA works, but like no right. one's first first off who's gonna fact check them. Secondly, um, like 
Because then you're like, that guy if you're some, fact checking. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, it's just a release of serotonin. It doesn't actually have any hallucinogenic properties. Shut up, you know. Like <laughs> this is this is a movie, you know. I was um, say I wasn't even gonna get into that because it's like yeah. <laughs> right. Th- those are the liberties that you should be taking. And just to just to move this plot along, I think a really important part when they come back from partying and they go back to, or I say they, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, um, when reality is the swans. Yeah, yeah. When, when it's uh, Nina and uh, Natalie, or Natalie. <laughs> Nina and Natalie. Good. Nina and Natalie, <laughs> one and the same. Nina and Lily go back to uh, the apartment, and they have that scene where Nina walks in, and she's fucked up, and she's talking to her mom, and here here's where the lines get really blurry for me about where I, this like mm-hmm. at this point in the movie, I was like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, because she comes in and she starts talking about how she fucked both Tom and Jerry, which that was, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she meets up with uh, uh, Lily later, she, it turns out like the sex that they had was all a dream. Right. Cause Lily also makes the comment that unless your name is Tom and you have a cock, we didn't sleep together last night. And I was like, so did she have sex with anybody? Did she? Oh, just no. Like, in in th- my th- mind, she made out with a third unnamed person in a bathroom for a second. <laughs> and then and then and then felt the need to 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 rub it in her mom's face that she lost control of her as a person. That's mm-hmm. that's right. how I read that. A hundred percent. I definitely that was like the long term takeaway. But I was so fucking confused at this part yeah. of the movie. Um, well, there's other parts of the movie that I you don't exactly walk away with full answers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is a great segue into what I wanted to talk about here because I did miss a key plot point here is we haven't talked about Beth in a minute and Beth's been going through it. Yeah. Um yeah. after at the the uh some some kind of fundraiser for a lack of a better way of putting it that they're having for the theater um Leroy wants to introduce Nina to everybody as the Swan Queen and, you know, at the same time also congratulate Beth on a longstanding career at the theater. Um, and Beth confronts Nina on that and kind of takes it from a from a uh, it comes off a little aggro at first. But I also read it more as like a, I'm doing you a mercy here by telling you exactly what this guy's going to do to you. Look at me as a living example of what he does to people over a span of a career. Oh, yeah. um, and then she ends up uh, stepping out in traffic and getting hit by a car, which isn't spoken of as a suicide attempt. But I think we can connect the dots there and say oh, that oh, that's, yeah. that's what that was. Is she was, again, used up, like you mentioned earlier, and she had to end it um, in that courtyard scene when Leroy is explaining what happened to her with the, the black and white courtyard that uh, that the location scout so wondrously found um, there. He <laughs> immediately, immediately says she did this because she's getting back at me or, or something like she mm-hmm. immediately makes it like makes it about him. And then, she's like, already like, not... always been doing dark impulse things like that. It's <laughs> it's what exactly. made her so brilliant. It's a necessary part of art, <laughs> like like spins it back into his little world that, that he controls. Not once does he say, like, I hope she's OK, you know, like like right. And no one says, I hope they're OK, you know, like uh, <laughs> that there's a, there's a big lack of that, you know, even, um, you know, e- even even when Nina goes to like 
to, to the uh, the hospital like the couple times that that she does you know it's like sorry i stole some of your shit you know <laughs> like, mm -hmm. no nobody nobody thinks about other people in this uh unless they're trying to manipulate them in this movie that's, that's the world of this movie <laughs> and and i guess we'll touch on that scene we are about what were you gonna say i'm so sorry oh i was I just gonna say when beth, beth goes back she's like you stole my shit <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lipstick shaped outline on, on the on the desk. Wait a minute. Um, yeah, uh, where do we want to go from here? We can talk about uh, her actually returning the stuff in that exchange with Beth, or we can keep moving forward through dress. Let's let's. I guess if we're, if we're if we're pressed for time, let's finish up the Beth subplot pretty okay. quickly. That's yeah, what I'm thinking. Totally. Um, what do y'all think was the what the note said? Which we're note? here to we're here to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> So they, when she put all of her shit back, there was a note that said Beth that that she put down in between all of it. Was this next to the so, bouquet? So, because no, the bouquet was the one that Leroy gave her that so, she's just regifting to Beth. Are we talking about something something different? Oh, oh, was she okay? Because I saw it as like okay. I definitely thought that when she came to the hospital the very last time. Oh, the last time. Yeah, the okay. very last time. Because we're just going to go through that subplot because she just kind of bounced in and out. Right. You know, like she was, I mean, fuck, Beth was asleep most of the time until. <laughs> right, right, right. Looking right. like a Dark Souls NPC in her corner in her wheelchair staring at the staring at the void. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, like, God, just the beginning of Bloodborne being like, oh, yeah. go kill some monsters and come back. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm glad to know for the, rest of, for the rest of this interview that all the Souls jokes are going to land. Let's so go. Well, I, I played Bloodborne and like half of Elden ring uh i have i've been too scared to touch dark souls i i get very mad at video games and that's kind of <laughs> i love getting angry at video games but i just played doom eternal and cranked up the difficulty as far as it would go and go. my wife my wife heard me cursing like late into the night <laughs> that's the only way to play doom yeah yeah let's talk about video games in the interview because i can't wait yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah yeah no uh so she has this moment like when, when she goes to the hospital for the very last time uh she seems to have like this kind of moment of clarity which should be about the true nature of Leroy and how he treats these women <laughs> but she interprets that it, it, as she interprets it not as Leroy treats these women terribly it's Lily's out to get me I see what's going on and mm -hmm. that's like what the fuck you know <laughs> um um and she's like I, I I'm just trying to be perfect and uh, then we've got that amazing scene that was the scariest scene of this movie for me, the 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 face stabbing scene. Mm -hmm. Oh file. my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not to crush Absolutely. this? By the way, why not? It was perfect in this one. In this sequence, wonderful. For me. And, and was, yeah, I was, I was gonna say that was actually my favorite part of the whole movie was when she runs out screaming and she runs into the elevator and she drops the fucking letter opener and she's covered in blood. And I was just like, oh my God. And we never go back to it. And we, we never don't... touch it again. <laughs> we don't know what, like like the movie has primed us to think that, oh, like she, she, she killed Beth uh, at this point in the movie anyway, but we, we don't go back to it. You know, because yeah, Beth uh, was like, suicidal, right? It, well, yeah, but not only was Beth suicidal, um, and, and obviously we're it's a little bit hyper reality because if she did, like in a in a real world, like there are security cameras in hospitals and et cetera, et cetera. You know, like like, but we're you know this is Black Swan world. You know, mm -hmm. this yeah. is this is hyper real. You know, so we're we're primed at this point 
to think that Nina uh, indeed did this. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, we never actually go back to it. Uh, and then, yeah, that's <laughs> Beth's out of the out of the movie and you guys do a kill count right on these yeah uh, on these dude, 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 dude. One. <laughs> let's grab it for kill number one kill number fucking kill number one, fucking one. probably the, the one of two right yes. <laughs> see but here's the thing is i don't know if the other one fucking counts <laughs> yeah i don't think it according to natalie portman it doesn't you know yeah, <laughs> right. uh, i was yeah, just gonna so remark real quick on like what yeah for, for me what beth represented both literally and in kind of like a uh a, a an unrealized metaphorical sense is that was Nina's future that yeah. she was killing in that oh, yeah. sequence. And that was kind of a cool way to establish that, that you don't have a future beyond these next few days kind of yeah. thing. You know what I mean? I thought that was awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Quick thought. That's all. Great. Uh, so yeah. Uh, now uh, we're getting pretty close to uh, like, we, we're getting to more horror scenes. We're getting into mm -hmm. the way where Nina's lashing out more aggressively at, uh, at, at her mother, and we'll notice that the the composition, the score, the music, and the rest of this is getting uh, is is almost pretty like like we we heard the the main trailer music of this mm -hmm. during the sex scene, but when it gets towards like end of second act, third act of the movie, it's pretty much the ballet music the yeah. whole time, yeah. and it is terrifying where we have swelling ballet music while these horrible psychological thriller things are happening. And I know, I know you like the fly on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I listened to that episode. So um, like when we, uh, Darren Aronofsky was supposedly, um, he saw the fly and, and uh, a lot of the feathers poking out of her skin kind of stuff was, was sort of taken inspiration, mm -hmm. took inspiration from the fly. Uh, oh. But my personal favorite moment was the crunch of the legs backwards. Oh mm -hmm. my God, dude. Oh, oh. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, I loved it. Because this, oh, this is 2010, right? So this is when CGI was just getting good. Mm -hmm. Right, right. right? Like, like it's... We're going to try it and see what happens. I like Exactly. She... Well, yeah, go ahead. I was saying, I just like that she didn't know how to walk on these new legs and just fall. <laughs> like, cracks her face right. with the bedpost and falls on the ground. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the what's wonderful about the CGI dive. in this movie swan dive, is that that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Swan, hey, I'm glad we wow, we made it a long time Got before it. saying swan dive, swan dive or swan thought, song or anything dumb yeah. like that. Yeah. I was definitely um, trying to save it for the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry, I, I stole your thunder a little bit. No, no, we'll no, pretend no. we didn't say the phrase swan song. We'll we'll let you let it rip at the end of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, a lot of the CGI is so subtle and blended in, especially for something with like that was shot on film, which I'm very impressed with how amazingly it was blended in for all these little transformation bits like swapping mm -hmm. in and out of nina's double uh mm -hmm. especially in towards some of the more final scenes when when we have like the the actual feathers growing out of her in that final dance sequence you know um like i'm very impressed with how seamless it is for for 2010 that's actually my favorite shot killer fucking movie, shot like if i starts the the spins towards the front of the stage and they just grow more and more as she like like you can it, it was so crazy because it's like you felt what they were practicing the mm -hmm. whole time, like that elegance of the arms, like turning into wings. It was fucking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was fucking gorgeous. There, there is a well, I'll, I'll somebody remind me to touch on this at the very end because it'll be more relevant at the very end. But, um, the the sequence i i guess you guys just want to go ahead and move in a performance night. I mean, like, are we are we essentially there? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third yeah. Act, okay. third act. yeah totally. okay, <clears throat> so. Anything else can be final thoughts. Yeah, so we are um the 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 house is packed, right? 
the posters are out front. It's got Natalie's face or Nina's face all over it and mm-hmm. everything. And there's that there's that moment where she wakes up in her bedroom and mom's like, nope, nope, you're not going anywhere. You're sick. Right. I called him already and told him you were sick. Okay. First of all, fuck that. <laughs> right. That that was the 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 last the, the last resort of a manipulator to keep person under their thumb. You know, that's fuck a Leroy that. move. That's that's you called know? imprisonment, is what that yeah. is. Yeah. No, you can't ground me as a 21 plus year old person, number one, <laughs> or whatever version of grounding this is. You I know what I mean? In the movie, she was even like, I'm moving out. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't know what a ballerina makes, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> But what does the Swan Queen make? Right. <laughs> she hasn't performed yet. She's yeah, right. Dollars. Study. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. But they have they have a knockdown down drag out right, and all that it goes down. She actually breaks her mom's hand, most of her fingers on that one hand with the door slamming and everything. Oh, that was a um, cringy moment too. Yeah, dude. Slam, slam, <laughs> and oh, then God. and then exploits it as she's trying to steal the doorknob from under her God. butt. She squeezes the shit out of her broken hand, like, and then <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> applied the doorknob, escaped, goes to the theater, and the role has already been given away. And this is one of those whiplash comparisons. Well, fuck that! You're not giving my part away. Uh, it's my part, and I decide who to lend it to mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so there's oh that, yeah there is that whole exchange that happens and she just goes downstairs and gets fucking ready anyway she's like absolutely not the roy walks in and he's like are you good and she's like yeah i'm good she's, she's like, like putting her makeup right. on already yeah, yeah. and she's but, like do you need another scandal like mm-hmm. which in in that she, fucked up black swan way like yeah. impresses Leroy. it's a real like logan roy succession moment where like he like uh i don't know if you guys like that show but i love that show um and it's it's a one of those moments where it's like oh i am impressed you are now blackmailing me you know yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> I, i'm a little turned on right now right <laughs> i would do but um but yeah yeah that's i mean Leroy does that little smirk he's like all right like like um which you know is uh in that way he is losing control of Nina a little bit but mm-hmm. he is regardless impressed with her uh and then the dance scene just kind of begins and uh we see that she really screws up the white swan in a significant mm-hmm. way because she's departed from it which is not a again not subtle this movie's not subtle mm-hmm. but um <laughs> But yeah, uh, there's also one of the few laughs of the movie is when the demon sorcerer is walking by and goes, hey. I think it was funny because it was so immersion breaking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, because you're in like, the, one of the things that uh, this movie did really well uh, that I think uh, Exposure did really well as well uh, is when you have these moments of like true cerebral like silence and then something breaks it or you go and transition into music accordingly like i love stuff like that because it almost like snaps your yourself back to reality you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's what that hay was you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and that what's what's great like what's great about comedy and thriller movies or suspense movies is that like any joke that you make in the movie just lands harder because people need to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. They will, they, they need an Avenue to go, ha, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they like, that's why any, like even the slightest joke or a moment, moment of humor. Cause in a, in, in a comedy, you're like, let's see how hard you can make me laugh. But right. in a thriller, I need this release of a laugh before we get back into the intensity, which is why writing jokes in thrillers is, far easier. You know, oh, all you have totally. to do is give someone an opportunity to laugh. All you do is have the demon sorcerer go, 
hey how you doing and then like uh, <laughs> right, right. And, and 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 suddenly like the whole theater's laughing you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, a great sequence go ahead oh well, i was just saying so now we're going back to and lo- i was watching this movie with my partner uh last night actually and she made a really funny comment when she nina goes back into the makeup room to get herself prepared to be the black swan mm-hmm. And uh, the guy's walking by and she's like, maybe start it. I mean, she just got the first level of makeup off. Yeah. And the guy comes by the door and goes, you got five minutes. She's like, that bitch is not going to be done in five minutes. Doing her makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I think every every hair and makeup person that worked on the movie probably saw that in the script and just like, no, yeah. no 100% way. no. And then we have that's uh, that's a bigger liberty than any drug or mental illness liberty they took. In the right. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, guess who comes by our girl, Lily, to basically. <laughs> yeah. To, blah, 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 to say congratulations. I did not think you were going to pull it off. Right. And that kind of thing. Or does this happen after the Black Swan dance? Am I, am I, it happens after um, it happens after Black Swan, right before final White Swan. So okay, you're we totally have... right. We'll put a pin yeah, in yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, she. It's. I think it is before the Black Swan dance because she comes in and says, "I don't." Or do you think you'll actually be able to do it? Well, that's what I thought. Because after the fall, because there's there's, the... there's two Lily scenes. The first oh, one yeah, where yeah. she believes that she kills Lily, and then the second scene that... is where we reveal that Lily didn't die and Nina stabbed oh, herself. And that's where that's where I'm at right now. Is there's the scuffle in the room and everything, and basically, uh, I really love this um, writing decision to say it's my turn. It's my turn. She's taking the Black Swan away from the manifestation of the Black Swan, whether people want to believe that's in Lily or in the doppelganger that she's seeing of herself mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, she's taking her role back because it belongs to her. And we could feel we could feel impressed about that because like uh, because she made it that far. We could feel pity for her because she is literally the because next she's gone. turn under Leroy. Uh, we could also feel pity for her because she's so far gone. That's like, where there's I so was. many yeah. things that you could you could take away from this hundred moment. Yeah. And it's it's so fucking cool because she I love moments that we talk about this often on podcasts, but I love moments of uh, especially with female characters. Um, where they take a stance of power and like fuck everything this is me i'm gonna fuck this up i'm gonna crush this opportunity you know mm-hmm. and i I love moments like that just from a power standpoint you get one last gasp of cheering for nina here right so yeah this- i mean I, I if 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 this is a scene that you uh feel like oh uh, yeah based on what you what you take away from it because she does right. we do see her kill somebody uh mm-hmm. i will say with the shard of mirror, it was probably the the, the best thing she could have used uh, mm-hmm. because we've seen uh, like first there's like all all the the, the motif of vanity, there's the motif of obsession, there's uh, the the blurred edges of reality. There's also very few shots. I read this on IMDb as well. Very few shots that don't have a reflective surface in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a vehicle for uh, all the psych thriller moments, and perhaps we. Get, perhaps we get the mirror gag once too many times, but still mm-hmm. it works because of what the themes are in the movie. Totally. Uh, so I do think the tool for the stab being a mirror shard does work incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I do think yeah. that this is like, uh, I don't know if either of you have seen John Carpenter's The Ward. It's a really good movie. I haven't seen The Ward, no. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. It's actually with Amber Heard um, and um, Danielle Panabaker. And the it's... It reminded me so much of, and this is a, that's a movie that also focuses around trauma and abuse and that kind of thing. Um, and it's its own reflection of killing off the weakest part of yourself. Because in order to be strong and to be what I need to be, I can, like, 
Nina is a character that cannot be, and that was the question that Leroy proposed from the very beginning is, can you be the white swan and the black swan? He wasn't just asking her to be the black swan. Mm -hmm. And I think the title just kind of reflects the idea that she becomes the black swan because that was the choice that she had to make was I'm going to be the black swan. And that was a really powerful moment for me in that. Mm -hmm. And like everything, like, Everything else is really cool after this scene, but that was the one that fucking hit me the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there has to be an element of like a trial by fire, right? Mm-hmm. There ha- there has to be that like cleansing that happens from that, you know what I mean? Or something. Wash the white I mean, away. Right, yeah. Oh, that that's a lot of that's a lot of character arcs in a lot of movies. Just to, like there 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 are things like that we don't like about ourselves, or the things that like things that we are unable to do, and then we're put in a situation where we're forced to develop these things as human mm-hmm. beings, and then it either pays off or it goes too far, ends in tragedy, and uh, like you know, it, it, exposure does this a little bit too. All the way back to like like it, it's if, if you want to look at like. There's this really interesting. Uh, do you guys know there's this podcast, Script Notes? Uh, Craig Mays and John August, they're both screenwriters. They're big Hollywood uh, craft type um, podcast. And there's this one podcast where they really break down just how uh, like a lot of traditional Hollywood movies have good character arcs. Mm-hmm. And you put characters in, you just bombard them with scenarios that burn away some parts of their um, of, of of themselves that are holding them back from from X or Y. Uh, but yeah, no, it's what we see in Nina is the culmination of all these situations being thrown at her. And depending on how you see this movie, this can be a tragedy or this can be like, you can also go, go Nina in your head, I guess. I mm-hmm. personally see this movie as a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally see uh, like she, she feels as if she's in, in power, in control, but in my mind, she's in power, in control in the realm that Leroy has created for her. And the in the realm that her mom has created for her, mm-hmm. um, that's that's how I see. It. I, I I I believe it's a wonderful ending. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it is a like. There there are some folks that I believe think that this is a happier ending, and I'm just not one of those people. Mm-hmm. Sure. And the only thing I will say really about the ending is, no one saw that she was bleeding on stage. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not a single right. fucking person. I mean, against white, you know, yeah, 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 whatever. And then like she hits the mattress at the bottom and it waits like probably a minute, minute and a half. And then it starts growing at twice the size. Like Mm. the Grinch. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Liberties, liberties, you know, it was amazing. Hey, hey, artery, can you just chill for a second? I want to get through this scene. Then you can really start pumping, you know, Got you, He's bro. Like holding her up, like putting pressure on the wound. Yeah. <laughs> her dance partner, uh, which um, I believe, I believe that, that was the character, David, that that's the choreographer that uh, ended mm-hmm. up being her husband which is uh, nice. uh wow. they, they met on that production and they got Very married cool. um yeah no there, there were other bits of trivia that but i wanted that i wanted to talk about but we we had to blow through this movie but yeah mm-hmm. um yeah no i i love this movie Leroy um drops my little princess at the very end it which like, I think is so good <laughs> she said the thing so good but yeah in those final moments he drops my little princess again which to me is the filmmakers telling me don't be too happy about this moment because mm-hmm. she didn't really win. She mm-hmm. won it that Leroy created for her and her mom created for her. That's how I take this away as 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 a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, the, again, that's just my take. We sure. bleed out 
the movie ends. A lot of people believe that she bled out and died. Natalie Portman in an interview uh, says that she just killed the little girl inside herself and she survived the wound. Um, mm -hmm. That's just, that's. I think that's kind of how people land slightly differently, but it does bleed great into the like written directed, not written, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky right during the applause and people chanting her name, Nina, Nina, mm -hmm. which never, I don't think people do that at ballet. No. Uh, <laughs> score a goal, you know? Uh, I, I, I was at a, a concert one time, like a classical symphony concert one time, and I clapped at the wrong time and got shushed. So I know people don't chant people's names at ballets. Yeah. <laughs> Again, liberty. <laughs> Liberties. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, I, I adore the ending for a couple of reasons, because I am going to riff off of that concept of absolute perfection requiring absolute sacrifice, because I think that is an element to art that gets overlooked. There is a level of um, imminence in art that does require more sacrifice than most people are willing to make, hence why they don't get to that level. Um, I don't believe that it's all political. I believe that great art can be made without anybody ever seeing it. You look at somebody like Van Gogh, for instance, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe decades after his death people start appreciating it. you know what i mean and things like that yeah. there, there's all kinds of elements of that and so for it to be um i think the thing that nina more than any other character and certainly um is is true with artists in general the need for validation rarely comes from within um and it's an unfortunate side effect of being a creator sometimes is that you have to have your art land correctly with people or you feel like a, a bit of a hack. Maybe I don't deserve this glory. Maybe I don't deserve this success or even That's this praise. That's a wonderful point, uh, especially because she didn't have a single person giving her an objective validation. Yeah. Everyone wanted something out of her in some way or another. And there there was nobody around her to see like, to validate the work that she was doing genuinely as a peer because remember mm -hmm. the whole the whole studio hated her guts constantly, you know? Um, you know, like she, she had no friends at home, none that we were aware of, you know, no one to fall back on that were that was going to hold her up without trying to twist her and use her in some other way. So, yeah, no, like like as create creators need the validation to know mm -hmm. that they're going in the right direction or if those creators exist, I'm not strong enough to be one of them. You know, right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I go back to the bar sequence when she's talking to Winter Soldier and she's <laughs> she's explaining what Swan Lake's about and he kind of just. Uh, whatever you know that's kind of stupid that's kind of dark you know sure. and she's like I actually think it's really beautiful like she she realizes that like the real world isn't for her like the normal functioning people that are just a part of society that aren't a part of the art that she's creating don't give a shit <laughs> and so she sort of like renounces that side of humanity and creates this version of herself where she can be purely a manifestation of her own art which is really a manifestation of her own insecurity and so when she's looking out at the audience and she's she sees the doppelganger of herself she sees her mother in tears she sees all these people on a bated breath waiting for her to take that dive and she does make that dive she achieves absolute perfection and she feels that for a moment and it's such a cool ending i mean it is a tragic ending certainly because this is again like you said a product of trauma and abuse and things like that but at the end of the day, she got what she wanted, whether that was what somebody wanted for her or otherwise, she got what she wanted at the end of it. And I think that's what makes it a, a solid movie ending for me. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You want to talk about ratings at all? Do you want to do numbers? Um, final thoughts, anything like that? I say I'll get, oh, I, th I think we're getting final thoughts. right. Cool. Now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, 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 I'm done now. I, I will say uh, one thing that I, 
really loved about this movie is I love watching films. So I, I hate when things end open-ended, but I love when concepts are open, open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. So an example of that is like, to me, this is not an open-ended movie. In my head, Nina dies. That's the story. Mm -hmm. But everything that led up to this is so open to interpretation and not to like go on a diatribe about it, but Leroy has a very interesting role in this whole movie. And it's like, yes, this is a level of abuse and what is not okay and kind of what he's cultivating in Nina. But in his mind, he's trying to cultivate this version of perfection as well and it's part of like that same mentality for like you know russian gym coaches and right. ba and ballet in general and there's this idea that i honestly throughout the movie didn't feel like he actually wanted to fuck her and the reason i say that is there's the one scene where he's trying to explain to her the concept of the black swan and he's like seducing her mm -hmm. and then he just breaks away and he was like that was me seducing you you have to be able to do that as the black swan. Mm -hmm. And it was just like in his own fucked up way, he was actually trying to cultivate the world's greatest ballerina. He didn't know how to communicate that without actually abusing her. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's, it's that's a good point. Um, of, like, he didn't know how to like, like it, it, both things could exist. He had yeah, his own absolute desires and he also wanted to like try and make this thing happen. Like, you know, both things could exist. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say is that Vincent Castle d did, I think in this, he may have said this in passing, but he did look very deeply into this one, um, ball, uh, the ballet coach director, uh, mm -hmm. one ballet director uh, that really popular popularized American ballet in New York City. I'm blanking on his name, mm -hmm. but uh, he also had this reputation with women. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, yeah, he's he's still, you know, like. Like we're meant to, as adults watching this movie are meant to see him as like this this abusive monster, but he's he's also a character, you know. He's mm -hmm. a character that, that he does has he has aims goals. Uh, as a director, you'd say like, oh, you have objectives and you have obstacles and you have super objectives and all, you know, like like, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's um he's not. Uh, I mean, he, he gets pretty close to mustache twirling villains sometimes, but other <laughs> yeah. times. Uh, but but other times, you know, it's 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 it, it can be a little uh, a little more or less less binary than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, those times are few and far in between uh, upon me seeing this movie as an adult. But hey, that's just mm -hmm. me. And it's even like, you know, when you get to the infinity mirror scene and it's mm -hmm. just like you she's looking into like the infinite reflections of herself. And that was like, again, I know it's the mirror trope. And but to me, that was maybe even more symbolic than it was supposed to be. But this is a type of movie that gives you the opportunity to have that interpretation because there's so much going on. And I love when you have a culmination of that and all of these nuances, because when I watch a movie, I never watch the focus, yeah. watch the entire screen, right? Because there's always something else going on. Even like something as simple as like, you know, watching Halloween four, and Michael Myers is just standing in the middle of the fucking park in the background, you right. know, but that's important. And I feel like, uh, and Peter, you can definitely speak on this better than I can. Uh, you know, as a director and a writer, those nuances are so important to you because that's what builds your story. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I would also agree. Uh, I would also say that a lot of those little nuances and moments depend 
on budget and experience of the filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, because with with a higher budget you're able to have more shoot days with more shoot days you're able to sp- uh, spend more time shooting these individual scenes put more shots in there spend more time dressing the back of it or whatnot because mm-hmm. like if if you sat Darren Aronofsky and watched this movie I would you know i would i would hazard a guess that there are things like little mistakes that he hopes you don't really dwell on too much or like yeah that was a that was i don't know how that made that in there you know like or or stuff like that not the the ecstasy again (laughs) (laughs) right right exactly he's like oh i've heard that point so many times yes i get it it doesn't work like that Um, but like like yeah i i think um and you know once we talk a little bit more about exposure uh like there there were so many little nuances and things that i really worked hard to get into the movie and a lot of it didn't make it in because of budget a lot of it we didn't have the manpower we didn't have the, the the size of the art department or the time of the day to get this stuff where there were such rapid fire answers demanded from everybody that like you have to sacrifice these little cool nuance things mm-hmm. make sure that this the bones of the scene works because when you're shooting the bones of a scene are very close to not working at any given time mm-hmm. you know especially on an indie film where you have very little rehearsal because you also you need to be paying people to show up for rehearsal too you know like right. that's of the contract and people live out of town you know mm-hmm. and so like okay they're going to come in right before the movie starts so you don't really get much rehearsal than over zoom you know mm-hmm. uh and so that's that's just a fact of life so hey i love it when people are like oh yeah pay attention uh in, in the background this means that yeah sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah hell yeah well i think that's actually a great segue to uh peter telling us a little bit about exposure yeah, so uh, Exposure is a movie I worked on for a few years. Um, so in, in a logline, it's a, like on the surface level, it's about a, a traumatized man who is convinced that someone's trying to poison him and his skeptical wife kind of uh, forces him to face his nightmares head on with exposure therapy. And uh, what this movie is, is a psychological thriller kind of interpretation of my experiences with obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, I felt like for a really long time that OCD kind of got the quirky fun treatment in the media. Um, and that's not to say that like some of the representations I've seen on screen are wrong. A lot of them are very correct, but at the same time, we, a lot of it's been kind of restricted to like contamination obsessions or, or ritualistic checking. And there were a lot of other themes of OCD types of OCD that haven't really been represented in film, maybe because they're kind of ridiculous and, or, uh, or they didn't, maybe didn't play as well on screen or people weren't interested or the, the demand wasn't there, or maybe because like it would cause confusion or maybe just genuine alarm about mm-hmm. the nature of these mm-hmm. themes. Uh, I actually had to to kind of uh, be very careful in picking which themes that I went. Like I wanted to show some out there ones, but I didn't want to show things that were so out there that they would distract from the movie. Um, so anyway, I wanted to really show that. And then I also wanted to show a character going through a change of what someone with OCD needs to during their recovery. Uh, because anyone with OCD needs to learn that in some way your worst fear can absolutely happen, but that's part of life. That's part of living, having that zero chance of your worst fear happening, you know, like we can't function if we're, if we're paralyzed by fear so much and everyone with OCD knows this, but, but it's, it's just so hard to put into practice. And the reality is like, everybody has this fear. When you strip it down, everyone has worst fears. Everyone can understand the concept of facing fear, which is an oversimplified way of what exposure is, you know, or exposure response prevention therapy. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that's uh, it. It goes into that. It also talks about kind of like the the ripple effects that these kinds of things have in your personal life and your relationships. How ongoing problems like this can really have this corrosive effect on the people around you. Um, yeah, and uh, it's I I there were a couple people that have gotten sort of pre screenings of the film privately. Of course, if you're a film festival programmer listening to this, I would never ever show this publicly. But. <laughs> Um, hmm. uh, <laughs> whoops uh, I would how how dare I um, but yeah um, yeah no I just think that there's um, th- there was a lot to be said that that hasn't yet on a, a larger stage about OCD and how it holds hands with PTSD and how it uh, you know it's 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 interactions with drug abuse or the other way around and um, I, there was I had yet to see a movie that that had all that I also had yet to see a movie that treated OCD like I experienced it which is constant assault on the senses mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah I wanted to make that movie and um, I thank thank the Lord I, I I have people around me that are as talented and skilled as they are. And I, uh, I gave them that script and uh, I, I connected them and I had an amazing casting director, which got me in touch with some amazing people. And um, they, they brought their wonderful talents and their nuances and their own interpretations to the movie. And uh, yeah, and then the movie at the end of all this, and I'm, I'm really amazed and happy with what everyone brought to it. And I'm so, I'm so grateful, you know? Absolutely. There was a lot of talent behind this movie and I know we were both, thoroughly impressed you had an amazing team and bro not me sobbing at 2 30 this morning <laughs> knowing i had this interview today because i'm watching this movie for the second time through on my phone because <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> well I, I, I appreciate you saying that that's it's honestly it's it's so much of being a director is kind of like riding the the wave of the people that you bring onto this thing you know Mm -hmm. and i was so lucky to be around people that were as good at what they were doing because like first-time directors are first-time directors like i there's so much this movie i didn't know what the fuck i was doing you know but thank (laughs) god i people to lean on you know mm-hmm. that that were so much more seasoned than me you know that like mm-hmm. that like oh okay that's how we do this okay great and you know i'm i'm they 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 took it and they brought their talents to it and i'm just i'm, I'm grateful for those people so obviously we'll definitely be sharing and keeping everybody posted on release and all that kind of stuff as uh we get closer to your dates uh how can they find you like how like how do they find uh how do they find the movie? How do they find you uh, on Instagram? At exposure underscore movie is is where we do most of our updating. Um, you can also go to the website discomfortsthepoint.com and you can sign up for our mailing list there. Um, we're also on Twitter. Uh, that being said, I think, well, we have a slightly bigger presence on, on Instagram. Um, whenever any kind of news regarding festivals or anything like that, you can definitely check us out at, at exposure underscore movie. Uh, the movie will not be out for public consumption for quite some time because it's going through the whole festival process, but I certainly hope you get to see it soon. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you coming on Peter. And for everybody who wants to hear a little bit more about exposure, make sure you check out our Patreon three dollars a month for all of these killer interviews plug them yeah i appreciate everybody that's already a patron i will say that you really get a lot for three dollars i'm editing so much shit right now dude you can almost like you can almost get a month subscription for less than the price of a beer right now yeah. like <laughs> john are you editing all this is, yeah. is, is that that's all on your back good that's job him. Man. Content. oh i appreciate that that means a lot um yeah um but 
Enough about me. <laughs> I'm not the guest this week. Give it up for Peter Cannon one more time. Thanks, love guys. It, it. I'm the sound effects guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want. I, I want to. I want to shout out everyone. Uh, I want uh, that worked on this thing. I want to shout out uh, my DP Michelle, my producers Jordan and Tanner, and most of all my wife Katie, who uh, helped me find the courage to make this damn thing in the first place. And um, yeah, no, I'm I, so thankful. Tremendous. Excellent. Well, thank you once again, Peter, and thank everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us. We're at Creeks and Cracks, where we laugh at the creatures that go bump in the night.